Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Second Act Actors. I'm your host, Dr. Janet McMorty, and I was and still very much am a medical doctor simultaneously trying to pursue a career in acting. This is another industry episode. My guest this week, I'm so excited for this episode. My guest this week is Vinny Potestivo. Vinny was a producer for MTV and casting director. He launched the careers of some of your and very much my favorite MTV reality stars in the 90s and early 2000s, like Lauren Conrad from The Hills, Mandy Moore, Daniel Fishel, TJ Lavin, the list goes on. He produced and helped cast like every MTV reality show that came out during those golden days of MTV. The Osbournes, The Challenge, The Hills, Cribs. Oh my gosh. Unbelievable. So, We go into a massive deep dive into the history of his time at MTV, his journey through his time at MTV, and the impact of youth culture on this time. But now he has transitioned to his work now, more marketing and brand development for actors and creatives. He's a podcaster. He helps develop people who want to make podcasts and, you know, their brand as creatives in this new technology, social media age that we're in, which is so different from the age that he was in, right? From the 90s, early 2000s, MySpace reality TV boom, which doesn't really exist anymore. So he's been helpful in helping actors and creatives transition into this new era that we are in. And so again, we do a deep dive into that as well, too, about how we as creatives, we as artists and actors can promote ourselves in a exciting, not stressful, beautiful way in this weird and wonderful industry, social media age that we live in. I'm so excited for you to hear this episode. You're going to hear how happy, enthusiastic, generous, this man is. I appreciated him taking the time to talk with me. I know he's very, very busy, very popular, but I can see, and I know you will see, why actors and creatives have gravitated towards this man, because he is just an absolute joy to talk to. Please enjoy Vinny Potestivo. I got a little nervous when like, I get stuff from people's assistants. I'm like, okay, there's something to turn the imposter syndrome on. Holy crow. My assistant, she's like a, such a huge producer, by the way. She produces so many of our podcasts. And I thought, like, who better just to help stream? I, I want to be treated as a podcaster. Like, I, uh, oftentimes I find myself in a situation where people will carve out, you know, they'll treat me a, cer- uh, they'll treat me a certain way because I'm a casting director. They'll treat me a certain way because I'm a producer. And I'm like, no, no, I want to. Ignore me like a regular mm-hmm, podcaster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Make me beg for inter- information 10 times before you find... Like, that's... I want that because that gives me um, the real... Ex- I know how to create in that energy. When I get fake energy and, and misled about um, how a platform feels or how podcasts are even supposed to go, I kind of get it in my head. And I like showing up empty, <laughs> empty-headed. <laughs> well, and I think that where 
and this is going to sound like I know what I'm talking about, which I don't really. You do. Um, well, the best part about acting for me from someone who came from a very head full of, you know, 25 plus years of education, the best part about acting is the ability to just like, yeah, get out of your head as every acting teacher says. And you're like, oh, this feels so good because I've for my entire life have been in my head needing to be. And it feels so good to just not anymore. It's, it's got to be so weird as an actor to not be in your head when you have a, a, um, you're looking at a reflection, a social media reflection of the interpretation of your life, which just is like a, it's like, that's just like an audience an, an, an unnecessary audience everywhere I go, except I'm the audience. <laughs> oh, what an, that's, I'm, you know, everyone, you know, when you get a bad audience in front of, in live theater or you're, you're, you go to the movies and you're just, you're just the wrong, the wrong couple is in the room. So they just change the energy yeah. for everybody. Mm. So I feel that though. I feel that. <laughs> I wonder about, you know, especially with your career, where it came from with it starting with, you know, the golden age of, in my honest opinion, because I think we're of the same vintage of MTV and stuff like that, network television, yeah. and then now transitioning into your world of a lot of social media. Tell me about that. Tell me about the life. Tell me your life story. It's funny. <laughs> it's funny you say, um, I mean, I didn't get started in in, in reality TV because um uh, Osborns and newlyweds and punk and things like that didn't get created in, until until I was already at MTV mm. from our department. Um, and maybe the two years before that, before um, we took talent and took them into sort of this like unscripted environment and let them be themselves and started figuring out how to tell that story. Um, I got to put Mandy Moore in her first film on MTV. Um, I got to put Beyonce in her first film. Ever her first leading role in a hip hop a Carmen like that's like a ridiculous that's a ridiculous credit. But so let me be very clear. I was the casting exec. I was the executive casting assistant or coordinator. It was my job to to do the castings and the auditions in New York. Most of the film MTV films was, was run out of the West Coast, out of LA. So I, I had a unique position. Um, to liaise between MTV films and MTV networks because of like my casting ability and then also my access to the talent. So I would go down to TRL all the time when Destiny's Child is performing. Yeah, I wanted to know Kelly. I wanted to know Beyonce. I wanted to know all of them. And I tried. I tried to get them to be judges or a host on the Spring Break show. And the, you can never break the girls up. The, the label did not want Destiny's Child to get broken up. And it was my it was a relationship with Matthew Knowles. Actually, Tina Knowles, to be really honest. Tina's the one who I handed the script to. Hmm. Tina's the one who came with Beyonce that day that we weren't allowed to tell the record label. And she hopped in a yellow cab to come into Times Square. <laughs> she came through the front door. And all this blows my mind. Because even then, she was still Beyonce, Destiny's Child. You know, like it was it was a big... It was a big energy that came with her. And that casting probably changed my life. Mm. That that casting grounded me. Um, it, uh, John Singleton was a director. And he it was me, John, and Beyonce who were in the room. And I'm holding a camera. And at first, you know, I take I, I give like six feet to, to let Beyonce shine and act. You know, like, I don't know. I have all these pre... I, like, you talk about preconceived notions and educated. Here I am at casting. I'm like, oh, this is a big director and a talent. You know, what am I supposed to do in the room? 
blend. I'm six foot three, 250 pounds. Like blending, it's generally not like what I do the best in that situation. But that's why, that's what was brilliant about her audition. Um, it was the scene in the Carmen hip hop. There's actually no dialogue and it was literally just, he wanted to see her eyes. So they did the scene. He gave her and he gave her some notes. And that's when I realized, oh, this is how geniuses share notes with each other. He didn't say what you did wrong. He didn't say what you did right. He just said, what if we, what if there's this and, and this? And then he turns to me and says, and then I want you just to stare at her eyes. I want you a foot from her eyes. I can see her performance. I'm in the room. I can see her energy. I'm in the room. I can't see what you see in that lens. I want to see her eyes. And I remember the level a focus that Beyonce, and I almost thought to myself, "Oh, is Beyonce? Is she kind of overdoing it? <laughs> She's not even blinking. She's like looking, like make straight eye contact." I watched the Academy Awards last night. I watched her open that show, and I watched her pierce into that camera. And I was, getting, and I get goosebumps thinking about this. Um, so, so how could I not love what I got to do in reality TV unscripted TV when it got to mean that I got to help Ashton Kutcher become a producer and show the world how fun it is to produce. Um, and also that, um, a model actor who's on a hit TV show and a movie star is also capable of actually making funny TV. That was a cool, like, that's what I made. Punked was the result, you know, by the way, punked. And I love working on punked, you know, working with actors you want to know how I got to work with actors? Like, in a really cool way. Like, in a way that that stood out in their experiences. Because because MTV, in the late 90s, early 2000s, we come up with these interesting sort of ideas. And, and a lot of the times, um, empathetically, they were correct. But punk was out of hand. And what, what I got to do with those actors that worked on it, you know, punk, was, punk isn't about um, playing a joke on talent. Punk, punk is about how far can we go? How, 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 how much can we... How much of the suspension of disbelief can we actually, you know, exaggerate? When when is someone going to say there's no way this is reality? So working with actors doing something like that is so cool because because of the way that you process characters and life and situations and reality and outcomes and so I I've just loved unscripted talent unscripted programming because it let me work with and continue to work with talented scripted actors that I never I never would have. Uh, I got to meet Tom Wopat, you know, my childhood the 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 man of men from Dukes of Hazard. Like I couldn't have there was not another guy that was on my wall more. But I got to meet him because he was a guest on the Tom Green show. As like not not as working on a film with him, you know, and, and I just I, I, I got to and I had such respect and I wanted to be a film. I wanted to be a film producer. I wanted to be a, a Broadway producer. Um, I went to Wagner College. I have an arts administration of business degree in theater management. So I thought I always knew I wanted to be producing. I thought I would have like a a, a, a Broadway sort of production house. Um, I should not have been. I did not know pop culture music when I got to MTV. Um Spring breaks were very much me and 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 Christina Milian and Mandy Moore singing Rent in the hotel pools while everyone else is going crazy. Like that was definitely my my vibes. Um, but it was really cool. It's really cool to get to create um, a, a character version, even like with Jessica Simpson. You know, um, Jessica wasn't looked at as a serious actor. I don't think she's looked at as a serious actor now either. But Dukes of Hazard to bring up. That's my second time bringing up Dukes. It's a weird thing. 
you talked about vintage TV, so this is what you get <laughs> when you open Pandora's TV box. <laughs> you know, but I think about how 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 I got to teach, how I got to be a part of the learning experience for character development. I even read in Rolling Stone that Beyonce created um, Sasha Fierce, the character when she is Beyonce that we see on TV. She, she says that she created that when we were filming. Carmen, a hip opera. Like that's so cool to be a part of that process. And, and then, and then there's the castings, which is like for me the ma- the most magical part about acting was getting in a room and pu- pulling out the possibility of an actor, and and then the challenge of making the producer see that, and and the, and the challenge of see of giving those tools to to a director. Um, making them think it's their idea and so that they, they feel empowered and they know how to utilize what was given to them because it was always theirs all along and you guys are, are on a high frequency and um and i just i love that i got to and and where else other than mtv Times square in the late 90s i got to meet every broadway actor all the musicals we used to do and every um it was just a really cool it was a really cool opportunity and then I've been talking a lot. I'm so sorry. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I was going to say, and then and then there's the whole like reality TV actor conversation, you know, discrediting conversation that I survived. We all survived, mm-hmm. and I, I hope we get to talk about that because yeah. you know, you know, remember, don't go on reality TV. You'll never be taking a serious actor. You know, it'll ruin your career. Oh, and I I, I think about that time on MTV as pure chaos, and not in a <laughs> negative way at all. But because my remembrance of it was watching it and being like, oh, this is like, you're like, I'm not allowed to watch this. Oh, this is crazy. And then I would revisit shows when my life was very structured. Like when I was in medical school and doing my medical training, I would watch some of those shows that I loved, uh, like The Challenge, like Punked, like where it was just pure chaos because this is going to sound horrible because I liked watching people's lives be chaotic when my life was boring because I had no mm-hmm. drama in my life and so I needed to create it somehow. So I'd watch the reality shows where there was f- fake drama created, but I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. Well, the, the thing about, about drama on MTV on those shows that you're talking about versus the drama that you might have seen 10 years ago on Bravo and the Housewives mm-hmm. shows is youth culture. And I think that before social media, everything sort of felt frantic because we saw it through the single lens of television, which it didn't really fit in. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about, you know, going back and looking at the challenge, the challenge is my, the challenge and wild and out are the two shows that I, my two legacy shows mm-hmm. at MB, at MTV. They're the two shows that uh, I put TJ Levin in that spot. And, um, that, I, I knew it was going to go to some type of Olympian or like alt alt sport athlete. I thought I knew that that was the way I wanted to go also because of their competition schedules and like how sports really works and how mm-hmm. that show schedule really works. I got to work with Johnny Mosley and, and Dave Mira when they hosted that show as well. I, um, God rest his soul, Dave. And, um, What's so cool about that show is you're watching, t- you're watching teens, you're watching youth, you're watching youth culture, challenge their mental and physical capacities and there's hormones involved in that and there's not a lot of 
um, they're not married. There's no kids. There's no business. You know, not. So I'm going in the direction of like what what I what's acceptable for me in that realm of chaos and drama mm-hmm. from what we did in the, in the challenge and like real world and some of those shows in the early 2000s versus the energy that was like the 20 the 20. 2009 to 2015s, maybe say, yeah. um, where where cable got pretty uh, sharp, <laughs> so to speak. Is that that's a nice way of saying it? I think. Yeah. Well, I think so. And correct me if I'm wrong, but social media had to totally change the landscape of reality television, and not just any television. But oh, yeah. when, like, if you think about some of the early versions of the MTV shows, with no social media. And now yeah. that plays. That's everything. That's everything. Wait, I'm. I told Lauren Conrad and Kristen and Stephen from Laguna Beach, we, even before the hills, I was like, "Y'all can't go on MySpace. If you go on MySpace <laughs> and people find out who's dating, if they find out what Lo really did, and then how it's going to be, it's not going to be so bueno for us." Yeah. You know, it's very interesting about about gatekeeping that information versus what the community wanted, which was just to be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Just to know, just, yeah, just to, again, the high idea of most of our lives are not very dramatic. We are, you know, we live in a country, I live in Canada where it's not very dramatic. So we need to create the drama. I live in an upper middle class part of the world. (laughs) Drama and comedy, by the way, right? Like, so, so drama and comedy, they're both really hard art forms. And I've been in, so Run's house, you know, with the the Simmons family, Mm. that was a, that was pretty heavily scripted. There was like, we would sit down in the living room and there would be sides and the family would read and we'd see what was going to happen. And they would go and do it. And it wasn't like, you know, um, I don't want to say real acting, but it wasn't like on a set where there's like, you know, you have to get the book right and everywhere, you know, there's intention. We wrote the intention and the punchlines Mm because that's not something that people can land on. That's not something people can land on their own. And that's, that's where, Most people talk about like reality TV being edited in, in, a, in, a, in a manipulative situation, and it is. It's manipulating story, without a doubt. Generally speaking, they refer to it as manipulating character, as opposed to where where what makes it fun to why they're manipulating it and what mm. what that sort of payoff piece is. Mm. Um, but to get to create characters, to get to to get to sit down and with somebody and and see how how they are going to play out. And, and you no, know, Osborne's, um, Osborne's had a weird reputation for being, um, staged, but, uh, and maybe it was staged, but it definitely wasn't written. You know, we knew, we knew if the, the dog psychic was coming, but it wasn't quite, it wasn't. But when I think of some of the other shows that, um, you know, Paul Shear and Aziz Ansari, like when I think of some of Rob and, and some of the, 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 the comedians that I got to work with, um, Jeffrey Ross, like I, Comedy is a is oof, what a what a sharp sharp skill set you have to have mm-hmm. on that, and that's that's not that doesn't play well in reality TV unless you have really strong, um, unless you have a really strong awareness, a really good you know of 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 what's funny and what's relevant. Yeah, mostly it's what relevant is what's funny, not the punchline mm-hmm. itself. So, um, yeah. Did you come from a like a childhood where you were raised? with a lot of TV and film and creativity, how did you, how did you grow into where you are today? Oh, cool. Cool question. Uh, no, I, uh, we, we got cable when I was, I think in like ninth grade 
Um, I wasn't allowed to watch Married with Children <laughs> growing up. The Simpsons were, you know, jokes that sometimes I can refer, you know, talk about and sometimes I couldn't. I can't tell people at church if I watched The Simpsons because we weren't supposed to, you know. So I certainly had some of those, those structures growing up. Um, I played a lot of video games. Um, I'm the oldest of four. Well, growing up, I'm the oldest of four. Now I'm the oldest of six, but I'm the oldest cousin in a, in a big Italian uh, family. I just paused there because, like many people over these last two years, we did the 23 Me, and I'm not as Italian as I was originally told, but we don't need to go there. So <laughs> a big Italian family in Staten Island. And I was the producer. I was de- deuce. I would create the shows. I was like, all right, all the cousins, we're going to do this. This is our you know Christmas show. And, and I always had... I was always putting on like live events and or part of them. Um, I was really interested in computers. Um, I'm a data engineer by trade. Um, I love the television. So I, uh, as a senior in high school, I became an intern at the Staten Island Community Access Channel, where I learned how to be a, a data manager, like transcoding tape and then understanding how um, how things were recorded in a control room. Um, but uh, I graduated high school in 95. Between 95 and 2000, what happened to us in this creative field? From beta to VHS to DVD to high DVD to, to micro, you know, there it was a tremendous amount of, of movement that happened in media. And it was my, my basic understanding of how to wire two VCRs together. So I could, because that's, that's how I would edit all my family films. You know, I would shoot like, you know, creative. I would shoot, overshoot everything. I would go back home and then I would pause and record, pause and record on two VCRs. And that's how I would edit my, my, my movies. And that's literally how I edited reels. That's how VJs became VJs. That's how Ashley Simpson got her show. Like literally just thinking of, of me sitting on my floor in my office. Cause like you still, I, and by the way, I left MTV in 2007. Do you know what else happened in 2007? The iPhone. Like podcasts came out in 2006 is when Apple put the podcast on, um, it's not called an iPhone, what, uh, the iPod. <laughs> I almost forgot about that. <laughs> and I saw, I, when those are big signs to me. Remember I said like 95 to 2000, I saw a tape. We, we, I went to school with a, a, a P-Touch, <laughs> you know, it print, and it was a hard disc, you know, the hard floppy disc. They called it a floppy disc. It wasn't. It was a hard disc. And, um, and that's big, you know, understanding how, how creativity is transferred, understanding how it's consumed, how it's manipulated or sold or distributed. Um, if you don't understand the distribution and amplifi- amplification of content, you know, it can be, I thought it would be really a dessert, like it's, if a tree falls in the woods and no one hears it sort of situation. And, and, and that's what I love about now, this like creator economy we're in, we hear about like web three and decentralized video world. And what that means is you have rights that you didn't have before. Mm-hmm. You can publish something and own the intellectual property of something you created. 10 years ago, that platform didn't exist. So the action didn't exist. So if you wanted to make something, you had to sell it to a network, which means they own it. You don't own it in America. Or you could do what you've seen other franchises do maybe, which is like take it out of America, sell it to an international territory where the retention is owned by the creator and then take that and license it. And I I bring all this up because like that's changed as creatives. That's changed. Listen to the music. The music world 
look at what happened streaming rights for actors, you know, in the last two years with the way movies are distributed. And it's all about the movement of creativity because that's right. As creatives, right? We're just like, we're just communicators. Mm -hmm. If it only lives in our head, does some, if, if a Broadway show lives in my head, does, some, does someone see it on Broadway? <laughs> the tree you know? falls before us, like, like you said. Yeah, yeah, right. Like <laughs> if I have like if I have an Academy Award winning role in my head, does does anyone see? And I, and that and that idea of how do I share what I'm creating? And I I talked about earlier about a kid uh, holidays. So I'm always over creative around holidays. We always. Are, and that doesn't stop, by the way. And I never want it to stop. And I, and I also don't let anyone take that away from me so I can show up and just be fun in, in, that, in that space as well. Um, and I, I learned that maybe 20 years in, in as an as a executive, as a professional in the, in the creative community to not gate my talent so much, to not allow people to pay me to let me do what I do to get to do what I do and find a way to let people pay me like that. That's my burden to, to take off of them. That's not my burden to put on them. And podcasting for me was something that I felt naturally, you know, um, sort of drawn to. I love connecting with people. This is basically what I did in castings anyway, except I would cut my voice out. <laughs> now I'm doing the, now I'm doing the, the exact opposite. And, and I, and I keep, we keep it in and that's empowering to me because most of my body of work is not my voice. You know, yeah. um, and that's that's cool. That's that's something creators get to do that. Like that's exponential. Yeah, I think. And what I what I get from what you've done and all in your careers is really given people a voice and given people a different voice than what they're used to. Right. Like you're saying scripted to a non-scripted actor. Um, you know, I watched your interview with with Danielle about, you know, finally she gets to do something where she gets to be her, right? And um, and same with, like, what you're doing now with promoting creatives and podcasting. I think, I don't really have a question, it's more of, like, a statement of, like, hurrah. Of, I'm feeling you on that. No. And you're doing the same, right? <laughs> yeah, and I, but I think what's interesting and what I want to pick your brain about from someone who's kind of newly into doing this, as I'm calling a passion project, but the promotion of yourself is a really difficult thing to swallow because we don't really learn it. And I think when you are a scripted actor, there's a, there's a, a separation of yourself and the character. But now, as you're saying, like unscripted acting or podcasting yourself, you are now the product. You are now trying to promote you. And that's really, really difficult when, you're, when you haven't been taught how to do it properly or well do, yeah. yeah do you have any advice for anyone in after this long tirade of mine <laughs> yes brilliant uh, can i can i give you seven i'll give you seven i'm like yeah. fully ready for this yep. question this is a brilliant question <laughs> one awards awards let me tell you how you win awards you apply there's no one walking around handing out Academy Awards and Oscars and Grammys. You get a podcast award and you get an Emmy. And that's not how it works. You pay. You pay a fee. You you find an episode. You submit it. You have to usually pay for the Academy Awards. You pay to be in the Academy. And then you also pay for the um, potential nomination. And you pay an additional fee for every producer attached to that nomination. 
if you win an Emmy, for example, you don't pay for the award. The um, the Academy gives you the award, and it's actually owned by the Academy. But there are other awards that are out there: W three Communicator Awards, Telly Awards. Maybe you're maybe you're a creative marketer. There are marketing awards like the Stackies. Uh, the, there there are ways to get notoriety, and I think that's important. I think that awards are important. We just you know, it's awards are important. One, because we like working with award-winning actors and talent. So if I'm going to hire somebody as a network executive, I often will go to the a podcast awards or a content awards and work back because I want to see who's, who's making great content. And that's one of the ways that I can figure out, you know, who's, who's going to rise the cream, you know, cream rises to the top, yeah, whatever yeah. that sort of thing is, whatever, <laughs> whatever, that, whatever that means. Awards though, right? You, you're in t- How about this? It's your right. To be able to apply for awards, most actors don't apply for Academy Awards themselves. Most actors have the the studio will or the production company will actually pick which actors from that movie will go up mm. for feature role, non feature role, and it's a very political process, yeah. right? Because it's all about it's all about winning. It's money and it's winning. And some of the coolest stories are the ones where you hear about the actors or the actresses stepping out of line, quote-unquote, because they didn't do what the production company wanted to do, mm. but they did what was best for them, mm. and they put themselves up for it. Um, and I can't think of her name. She's the really strong knight Gwendolyn in, um, Christie. Yeah, right? Yep, I remember yeah. Do you know that. the story? Oh, yes. Isn't that powerful? It's powerful. Yes. I, I got goosebumps. Because, <laughs> like, you should... She knew she deserved. She knew she could have got nominated, and she did get nominated. And she she knew in her gut that her performance it's right where she needed to be. And and sometimes you know, um, and I want to say this respectfully to to production company owners and film houses and distributors who like to control all that. We're not in that day and age anymore. Mm. You don't get to control every single aspect of it. But I think it's the actor, it's the creator, the director, the editor, whoever it is that that, that creative to work in compliance mm. right, with, with them, but get them there. So I'm not saying go against your directors and your executive producers, but I am saying don't, don't not do what's best for you yeah. because I've seen that work. For too many people, I've seen it work. I've seen too many times people come to the audition. They say, "No, I didn't get it. I didn't get it invited, but here I am." And I promise you, those are generally, generally speaking, I love, I love this. I love that. Are you kidding? Oh, someone who's going to fight for a role? Because you know, I go back to the producer and I say, "Look at how they showed up. Hmm. Look at how they showed up for them." Look at how they showed up for this character and this role. And this is not even pay. There's not even an idea of audience. They have no clue who the co-star is. That they're this, they're this powerful about showing up yeah. to. So, so awards are important. Also, credits are really important. Um, I like to tell people right now. I I'm a big proponent of creating podcasts. I think that right now we think of podcasts like TV, film, podcasts, books. I think podcasts are going to be like podcast, giphies, movies, short form content. Like I think we're thinking of podcast because we see it as like an audio um, form of, of creativity. Really, it's a unique way. I'll go back to the, the delivery system of podcasting. It's a, a really awesome and powerful way of distributing content. 
It says, I'm a network. I, Vinny Potestivo, I'm a network. I make content. This is my RSS feed. This is my address. And if you want to know what I'm creating, I'll, what I'm creating and when I create it and when I post it, I'll let you pull from my public address so that you can see what it, that's powerful. Yeah, wow. We think of how, what movie's coming out and what time is that TV show? We're, that's a very linear um, uh, relationship with content. And I think there will be a point in time where like, we just, just, it just comes to us because we program it. We're calling it. Mm-hmm. But credits are important. I bring up podcasting because IMDb has acknowledged podcasts as a viable digital form of um, content on IMDb. So you can't listen to your podcast on IMDb, but you can get credit for it, which means you're getting writer, director, um, showing up as your himself, herself. Also, all of your guests get connected. Mm-hmm. So um, if you go to my I Have a Podcast page on IMDb, you'll see Mandy Moore and da- you see Danielle Fischel mm-hmm. and Christina Milian and Jamie Sigler. And, and also, if you go to all of their pages... And you scroll down to the podcast section, mm-hmm. you'll see my podcast. I have a podcast. So it's a great form of discoverability. Um, and then I'll, I'll, can I give like one quick, awesome, powerful secret? Yeah. Um, one little tiny trick that works. I'm dropping my voice because this is so powerful. There's this thing when you create a podcast and it allows you to input a tagline. And the way that Google interprets that tagline I don't, you know, we know what H1 headers are. We know like the name of the blog is generally the thing that Google picks up on. You would be amazed at how quickly your taglines show up in your SEO output from Google and other search engines. Huh. That's how powerful the IMDb owned by Amazon, you know, the, you know, AWS, you know, cloud in the sky system is. So, um, and, and then maybe I'll come back at another time and we could talk about ages on IMDb, which is a really unfortunate thing, but it's especially as a creative, especially with ageism running rampant, you know, in our industry and sensitivity to ageism. So any place where we see a number that just encourages ageism is a really tough pill to swallow. Mm -hmm. That being said, we're in a digital age and Amazon owns IMDb. We as actors, as creatives, we don't get to control that number anymore because there's a there's a demand for authenticity. Amazon's a publicly traded company. It's information we gave them, we validated it, and they've triple validated it from all the other it's not gonna come down. Mm-hmm. So so how we defeat and, and battle ageism together in this date digital age is something to bring up. But again, credit, show up, be in there. And I'll make these I'll I'll speed it up a little bit. Discovery. So this is where like your bio matters, your profiles matter on social media. Um, I just cast a 30-second spot that ran twice in the Oscars um, just recently. Uh, it was focusing on the men and women who were in the industry who got a, a booster from Pfizer and they returned back to work. I cast the entire episode from IMDb credits. Mm. Literally. And I had a week to do it. And, and I'll tell you how I picked people. You want to know? I pick people who pay for I, for for IMDb Pro mm-hmm. because to me a creative who invests in themselves who pays for their photo that's I see that mm-hmm. I see I want I see the effort I know it's not and by the way also for anyone who's not on IMDb don't worry you get 30 day free trial so like everything we're talking about here you're still and then nothing goes away after it's IMDb nothing goes away after your free trial goes away <laughs> they got that info for life but you could upload photos and videos and like just think of all the things that you can be putting into Amazon and letting Amazon tell Google for you so 
that's big for discovery. Also, red carpet moments, you know, um, the red carpet exists because press wants to know the intersection of now and celebrity mm. and whatever's happening in the world at that red carpet. We know people will be there. There's an accountability. We know where you are. We know who you are. And we know we'll be able to talk to you about what we want to talk. What the answer is going to be, we don't know. But but I have a show on Thursday. I have a live show on Friday. I have a talk show like E every single day. They have needs. So they they have windows to actually create red carpet moments on clubhouse mm. red carpet moments on on amazon amp just came out fireside chat um i can give you a bunch of cool social i think that those red carpet moments like the moments where your audience knows you're going to show up it's not about it's not even about it's about it's about i was gonna say it's not about bringing value i would say this live live in bringing value so like let's not make that a conversation right let's like make everything we do worthy and then we don't ever have to worry about is this adding value imagine if i thought every single conversation is this adding value i know it's adding value because i'm in it yeah Yeah. and i'm i feel the energy i'll make a care bear i feel the energy rating from my little belly right now (laughs) um and that's distribution so here the last three points i said seven right awards credits discovery red carpet distribution is important right now social media is our distribution so if social media is your distribution be aware that most of what happens in social stays on those platforms mm-hmm. right like instagram stays on instagram facebook stays on facebook tiktok stays on stay. very rarely will you if you have a google alert set for yourself will something that you do on social media show up you know in google as something that's searchable for the rest of the world to pull up so if distribution is social media, I'd be aware of the two other types of media um, outputs that are personal. That's a podcast or a blog or a newsletter. Um, and if, if I'm going too fast, please reach out to me and tell me I went too fast and ask me questions. Um, if you happen to be a creative who loves LinkedIn, oh man, you're my person. And if, if you're not, then like you, we just don't know each other yet. There's so much opportunity for actors, for like legit card-carrying actors, mm. creatives, editors. It's, it's, we're exotic, you're exotic. I don't even want to say we because I am not an actor, but you are exotic on that platform. Uh, think of LinkedIn as the future. If you could think of LinkedIn as a future marketplace for creators and creatives, the same way that the business world is looking at IMDb, a creative platform, and seeing how they're going to penetrate and how they're going to sell to us. Mm. So that, that's where there's like a real call a call for us. Yeah. Um, b- blogs are a great way for amplification. So mm-hmm. after you distribute something, I like referring people back to newsletters. The newsletters on LinkedIn are SEO rich, or, or you might have like a blog that's SEO rich. And what you're able to do with those blogs is put them in a blog aggregator, a blog amplifier. So there's something called Q, vpe.tv slash Q-U-U-U. And if you go to the site, it will take you to the amplification platform that allows you to say, okay, my podcast is about arts and celebrity and culture. That's what my podcast is about. And I put it into the system. And the system is feeding to people who are saying, I want to know about blogs that are about celebrities and arts and podcasts. And if you know about a blog that's published recently and has a nice photo and there's some cool words, I want you to send it to me because I need to share that on Facebook. I need to share that on LinkedIn because I don't know 
<laughs> I don't know these people, but I know I want to be talking about it. Yeah. I know I can be sharing this information because it's the energy I want to be in. And I, by the way, that's, I mean, it's like a $50 a month thing. You upload 10 blogs per month. So if you have uh, a couple of podcasts, like do, do one, and you're getting 2,000, 5,000 people sharing your blog in LinkedIn and Facebook as a thought leader, mm. as opposed to hoping people will like mm. it or engage with it on social media. Um, yeah. You know, it's tough. The like thing is tough on social media. What a yeah! Imagine if there was like a like button in the theater. Oh my god! <gasps> How sad would that be? Mm-hmm. All these things that you're talking about, I think actors in general. I'm sure there are ones who are great at it, but I think we suck at all of those things. And I'm coming from a. I've only been acting for two years. I'm coming from a professional career in medicine, still pursuing that. So I think. And I don't mean this to sound toot toot my own horn, but I think I'm coming at a lot of these things with a bit higher of an understanding just because of the professional being a doctor. Sorry, that's just like part of it was that networking, distribution, stuff like that. But actors in general suck at self-promotion. I think we've been told opposing arguments about it as in social media is not as important as everyone thinks it is on the flip side it's the most important thing oh let your art do the talking but how are you supposed to let that happen when nobody can find you so why do creatives suck at this so much and how do we fix it yeah i love it acknowledge it yeah um know that we're not in it alone (laughs) we all feel that way (laughs) um um, you get you start by the way, learn the, the don't try to be like, I, I would never want to shoot a movie where I'm like the lead actor or something like that tomorrow. Uh, there's no way I'm prepared for that. Right. I, I would not succeed. Would I show up and do it and try my best? Yeah. But will, will my eye contact be wrong or my, I don't know all the weird things that I know ma- hitting the marks. I speak over everybody and I breathe all the things, you know, I'm not ready for my, I'm not ready to win an Academy Award yet. Don't, don't give me my Academy Award. I don't want my Academy Award opportunity yet, by the way. I want to, I'm working towards it. Mm. And I think that maybe that's a way to fix, to, to address what you're talking about. Um, there are new tools every single year. That are just new tools. I think now we have access to tools that we did not have access to before. Mm. Um, if we wanted to edit, we'd have to go to an editing bay. If we wanted to shoot, we needed to get like a, a $10,000 camera. Um, and then who's going to see it? So we got to rent a film, you know, a, 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 um, a theater to show it in. Or tr- how do you sell content? You know, now we have iPhones and screens and and social media. And it, that that's changed. And, and knowing that, Knowing that 18-year-olds, 8-year-olds, and 80-year-olds are all going to be given the same tool for the first time this year, let that give you enough grace and space to be creative. Mm -hmm. Also, collaboration is a wonderful thing now. We all have a little bit of talent. (laughs) It used to take like a lot of talent to do something. But like, if I can do this, and you can do that, and maybe we could find someone else who can do music and maybe we know someone else who can do this in the scheduling and I can book the talent and like we like we all have like a a thing that that makes us special Mm -hmm. and and getting to use that thing that makes us special I I like that in collaborative environments that where there's no sales involved Mm. I'm not looking to sell that project I'm looking to use that gift that that I'm not getting paid for so to be honest I started podcasting because I miss being a talent executive Mm. I miss being 
the call at the network that says, who should we cast for the show? We have one day. I miss, I still get those phone calls, by the way, from the networks. And I, and sometimes I'll work on the projects and something. I miss the strategic part of, of knowing who the right person is. Oh, and knowing the right opportunity exists and then like a bad, and a bad match. And then what that does for the rest of that conversation, mm-hmm. for the rest of those types of chefs or that type of cooking show or the, that type of housewife, whatever it is that ruins it for that category because because we like to make decisions based on on the information that we have now. And the information we have now is nowhere close to um, the grasp of impact that creatives have. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I miss that. And it, it was in my podcast that I got, I uh, worked with Mandy Moore when she was uh, 15, four, 14, 15. I know she turned 16. I think like the first year I met her, I remember we, her sweet 16. And, and she was one of the first interviews that I had in, in my podcast. Cause I just went back to all my friends that, I was very comfortable talking mm-hmm. to. I didn't. I didn't talk to any celebrities that I didn't know because that would make me nervous. Because mm-hmm. that would feel performative. I only talked to people I knew because, like, I know everyone would be listening to them and not me. <laughs> so I felt very comfortable. Yep. And with with Mandy Moore, it was cool to talk about about you know. I, I first off, from my perspective, I was the guy at MTV with her everywhere. So I'm like, I was her older brother, best friend, guardian. You know. It was me at spring break holding up a towel so no one could see. You know, man, like I was very protective, brother, but not overprotective. She's a strong woman, and she's taught me so much. But we were talking about creative decisions, and 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 making and producing came up, and and then directing came up, and she was like, "I haven't directed yet." I was like, "Well, you know, it's the last season of This Is Us. It feels like, I feels like they always they like when you guys direct. It feels like you there's a." Ensemble. It feels like it's not season one, and every there's trust, and it feels like maybe, maybe you should do that. <laughs> we like laughed about it, and and then she brought it up again at the end of the conversation. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you saw it in her eyes. And then just last week, she directed the episode that aired just last week, and mm-hmm. it's like the, 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 I'm oh the goosebumps are back. So just to inspire creatives, to give them new tools. Yeah. So all you creators and editors out there, oh, I sound like Carol Baskin. Hey, all you creators and editors out there. Um, thank you for creating and being a part of it. And without, without the audience, there would be no show. Without the show, there'd be no audience. And, and we need, you know, that, that, that reciprocity on both sides creatively. So, so, Create and by the way, um, and know this: know that even your the biggest filmmakers are using new tools now. They're they're the one, they're the ones that are creating new tools. Yeah. So talk about using tools that you know. I mean, Spielberg redefined the audio, how audio works in theater. Like this is, yeah. No one did it better than him. He just did it differently than everybody else. And I, I like that kind of growth. Mm-hmm. I like that sort of nonlinear, sort of circular. I don't know. I keep I think of the universe and. It's round, and people always say, "Like, how far ahead do I have to pay it forward?" And I'm like, "Till it, till it gets you in the dock, it, it comes around. around. Yeah. yeah, just keep going, man. I know it does. I know it does. Yeah. I am because it, because it's because it happened to me. But I've met a lot of people in castings. This is not nice to say. Well, it's sad, but I met a lot of people in castings that I'm really close friends with that I never got to cast. Mm. And that just is a testament to the energy that we create in that room. Mm. And I think that's. That's sort of magical. And, and, and again, words are different. 
culture is different. Vocabulary is different. The norm is different. The status quo is different. Every single award show that we go through gives us another set of rules to um, in, in, in bring into our world and figure out how we're going to be able to build on that. And there's nothing that happened last year that can happen this year. And there's nothing that happened last year that would happen the same way that it did now. So mm. I'm saying that to remove any any form of insecurity, any doubt of performance, and just create. And by the way, <laughs> if it's bad, then don't post it. Keep it on your phone. And I promise you there's going to be a platform one day for like... <laughs> Finally, I can post, you know, like all my jumping pictures that I took years ago, all these stupid things. Like, there, there, there becomes a platform. You know, I create for a reason because I want to. And when that season comes that I get to put it on, you know, maybe, maybe so five years from now, 10 years from now, that's fine. People will say, Vinny, you look so young. Oh, the pandemic. Do you remember back then? No, no, no looking backwards. <laughs> we create forwards. But I'm, I'm excited. And podcasting again. I, I want to inspire people to create podcasts. Podcasts, there's nothing. There's Podcasts are TV pilots. They're free TV pilots. Mm. Um, they're movie pilots. They're, they're punchline. They're, you can, they're skits. They're, I mean, they're, they become membership clubs. They become speaking tours. There's just, there's just so much that, that you can create with audio that is rewarding with a video it gets a little tricky mm -hmm. there's lighting involved and there's all the other performance of the visual aspect that you have to be pleasing with audio you remove all of that and there's i think a greater room for impression mm. you know it's like it's like audio is i don't know which is cooking or baking bake is baking the one where you have to be really precise oh yeah and cooking you, yeah mm -hmm. so baking yeah so i'm i would be a better cook is that what that means? Like, I'm good at, like, we got carrots. Throw it in. Yeah. We'll see yeah. 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 Baking Go is, like, no, not one extra. Unscripted. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's me. That's me. And I'm generous on LinkedIn about finding jobs and opportunities for people to stay in the creative arts because the number one reason why people leave is failure and disappointment. Yeah. And, and they have jobs. and they, I mean, they have families and they have houses to pay for and they have responsibilities to pay for. And, and creative is, a, is not something that happens overnight. Yeah. This is not developing... TV show takes months. Developing a scripted TV show might take years, um, and then and then the network goes away, <laughs> or the, the the production executive changes. You know, they or they sell their or they sell their production company, or the president changes, and the national tone is different. And then what was once appropriate on television is no longer appropriate on television right. because that's not how we should be talking to people. <laughs> Well, I think, and that's kind of a, a wonderful thing about that. Well, yeah, and I think you've been so much since the beginning, really, kind of that one step ahead, or just not one step ahead, but like just seeing how trends have changed and kind of knowing that, and you know, like from like you were talking about at the beginning, all the different technology you were working with as a kid that got to yeah. where you are now, right? And I think also what you do is you really kind of redefine what talent is for people. Um, you know, because I think a lot of like you've kind of flipped that definition for I think a lot of people in in your life I from my very that. well. I think we streamline. We used yeah. to, you know, back in the day before there was so much to be talented at. We always were talented, but it was like no, you must be actor, you must be director, you must be producer. Where you saw, I think, the ability for people to do lots of things. The world also changed to allow us to do mm -hmm. lots, lots of things, but oh, yeah. I think you were kind of ahead of that and really kind of encouraging for what it looks like, like a lot of people, a lot of influential people who I bet credit you for that. 
And the weird thing about us creatives, and here's where I'll stop. This is, I haven't said this out loud yet, but I really do feel this way. It's unfortunate that we have to explain to people how to work with us. Hmm. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. It's, it's, it's actually sometimes if there's shame in explaining how to hire me or how to work with me, yeah. or sometimes there's a, a discomfort because um, um, do you not understand me? Do you not know? No, just know that we are beautiful, exotic people. No one, get, Our parents didn't get us. Our siblings still don't get us. You would think strangers are going to know how to do business with us. So for us as creatives, you know, being careful what we share, not, not holding back on information, but not, not telling someone every single pink color that was used in, 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 in this frame of art the first time you're explaining it so that it can be theirs. So that it can become theirs, you know? This idea of creating B2B, person to peer to peer, person to person, it's different than when we create it, lock it in on video and, and put it out there, hmm. you know. And, and then in the between is the audio place where there's like live streaming audio too. So but play play with these audiences. And the best thing about all these places is that no one needs to know who you are. <laughs> Yeah. No one needs no one. By the way, also but between you and I, and I see this about no one cares either. Yeah, so yeah, that's you're also so that, right. You know, you're like, so that, right. this is the part, the weird part. Like, I hate saying that; it's so mean. But like, no, it's realize, not. No one cares. It's really, it's a relief. It <laughs> is should it good? be a it's relief, true. right? Like because we think so much about. Oh my god, they didn't like me. Everyone hates me. No, literally, no you're one. Like, is cares. it my monologue? Yeah. Is it my monologue? No, it's not. It's dinner plans yeah. after this with the ex. That's what they're thinking about. <laughs> And thank you for this like awesome creative conversation. This is cool. They get to talk about creativity um, on, on, on any level or any career, whether you're, you've won five Emmys and 10, 10 Oscars and are the GOAT. You know, there's second act. It is what it is. You know, there's the first act. Yeah. There's a second act. Mm-hmm. If you like Shakespeare, there's a third act and a fourth act. You know, it is intermission. And let me tell you something. As like a boy who grew up here in, in, in New York City. The second act of a Broadway musical to me was the best because I could sneak in after uh, intermission. Like I would sneak in and watch the second act. I have to be honest. I think the second act is sexier. The second act, the first act is all about yeah. risk, loss, discovery, discovery yeah. setup. This, by the way, mm-hmm. you could do that in intermission and then start your second act. <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? But I love that. And I love that about the theme just of your, of your conversation and, and, and where 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 these conversations live, and at the timeline, you know when they do, um, because you're going to laugh at yourself when you listen to the 20, 20 year olds and eighteen year olds and fifteen year olds talking about their second act, <laughs> and you're like, what? What don't you? There's no. It's it's linear. An act is linear, and I think that's what's cool about this creative process. If people are interested and inspired, where can they find you? Run, don't. <laughs> Just go create. If you're inspired and you're like ready to rock and roll, create first. Like write it down, create a Google Doc, get some post-it notes, reach out and say hi. I am me, Vinny Ponsivo, on like all social media. Uh VPE.tv is my website. I'm launching in April a creator accelerator, um, a free program for creators that I'm offering guidance for how I use certain pieces of software and technology to help me be creatively successful. So I'm excited to launch that. 
Um, if you're looking to create a podcast, um, I run the Verified Podcast Exchange, and I help people either create their podcast, come up with an SOP, like a standard operating procedure that will allow you to be sort of like uniquely yourself, or we can do the services for you, and then we win awards. And I apply for awards, and we win them, and it's fun, and it's awesome uploading. I, and I, ch- I like updating IMDb pages with credits and awards and seeing it in my Google Alerts. I just love seeing the star shine around me. I, I fight really, I fight really, not fight, but I work really hard to stay surrounded by the people that I, I'm surrounded by. And there's, there's no way I could yeah. do that if I gated the access that I have to opportunity. There's, there's no way I would ever do that. I really appreciate what you've been saying because I think so much of this is overwhelming and it feels like it's secretive. Because, like all these words and acronyms and ways to feed the algorithm monster and everything like that. But I appreciate what you're doing to kind of like lift the veil or like yeah. go behind the man who's the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. Um, because I think nobody nobody's doing that, honestly. And I don't know if it's people trying to keep it secretive or people just don't understand it. But I, I appreciate what you're saying and what you're teaching everyone. Oh, I love I think, that. It's it's hard. It's hard and it's overwhelming and it's discouraging for people. I think there's that's why there's such a high atrophy rate and people mm-hmm. dropping out of all of this, and which is sad because it kills your creativity. Sad. It, it, it yeah. kills creativity. It kills it kills yeah. the industry. Yeah. When you yeah. leave, um, you're gonna get me. I'm not really gonna, like you see it by eyes. Like right now, <laughs> I'm really just, like you leave. You don't come back. Yeah. You go have a family. You tell yourself something that why it didn't work. You say that I, I chose a family over this. Well, okay, I didn't. I didn't think I was going to say this part, but like, um, I'm a 44 year old gay man. So like, when I was 20, I had to make a conscious decision if I was going to have a family or if I was going to be socially gay, not even professionally mm-hmm. gay. Like, I had to make a conscious mm-hmm. decision to a lifestyle back then when marriage wasn't even in the realm of possibilities having a child wasn't even in the realm of possibilities um and i'm happy to say that i'm 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 on my way to having a family and i'm happy to say that you know uh, i'm definitely getting the life that i wanted and that i always knew was capable but i didn't i don't let other people's version of reality dictate mine and (laughs) that's what reality tv became was reality like reality yeah reality tv for me reality tv if we talk about time we talk about linearity reality tv is in the middle it's not now it's not in the future it's somewhere in the middle is reality (laughs) tv we're doing things on camera that we want to be seen for that we wouldn't have done if the camera wasn't there but this is changing our life so there's like and and i'm i'm in that spot right now professionally as I have like one foot kind of in front of the mic and one foot still behind the camera and I'm figuring out like what my I'm like in this like little in between space. I hope I stay here forever. This is I've never been more I've never been more liberated being a creative. I've never felt freer and also um have the ability to put my own constructs on me. And I'm disciplined to do that too. So like that yeah, you know, you know what discipline means and creativity means. Like you spent money, and you learn not to spend money again. So like, and I've spent corporate money and I've spent my own money too. I'm very sensitive about about success. You don't realize you don't realize how easy you know. 
It's like that scene in, in Labyrinth when Jennifer Connelly, she's about to go into the, and the little worm is like, don't go that way. She's going that way. She's going straight to the castle. And you're like, what? But we would have never got the whole story. But like, wasn't that the goal? <laughs> Success is so close to you, but you're so focused on the box office, the what your manager wants or what your literary agent wants or your voiceover agent wants or your TV agent wants, what they all want so that they can be making money in their categories of business mm-hmm. that they're responsible for because they're not responsible for making you money. They're responsible for making TV money for this agency. And that's why he's a TV agent. So maybe we'll, can I come, I never said this, but can I come back and we can just keep talking about this stuff? Cause I, I'm very connected to you and I love where this, I feel it's like a, I should send you money for like therapy, by the way, this is wonderful. everyone for tuning in and thank you Vinny for being my guest this week thank you for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to chat with me I loved every second of our conversation I was on a high for weeks afterwards I want whatever he's having with all the excitement generosity and joy that he brings to this industry that he has been bringing to this industry for for decades now Oh, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. I hope you will all tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Second Act Actors is produced and edited by me, Janet McMorty. Theme music by Guillaume. Additional sound editing by David Studio. Additional video editing by Jackie Wadewer. Show notes written by Sarah Hopkinson. I record using Riverside FM. If you're interested in developing an interview-based webcast like mine, I highly recommend this platform. Shoot me an email and I'll direct you to the wonderful folks there. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest, email me at secondactactors at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. My love language is words of affirmation, so compliments, constructive criticism, and feedback are always welcome and encouraged. Negative Nancys, Judgy McJudgersons, or Debbie Downers, unless you're Rachel Dratch, regarding me or my guests are not welcome. It takes serious courage to share your story with the world, so if you're tempted to negatively comment about someone else's story, please ask your therapist why you're such a garbage person. Save the drama for the stage. On that happy note, I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye! Bye!